We are Maria and Nicole. We're two secular homeschooling moms that have been been there, done done that. that. Homeschooling high school doesn't have to be scary. We're here to walk you through the entire process of homeschooling during the high school years, from making a four-year plan to graduation and beyond. Today is the third episode in our high school series. We're going to be talking about high school documents, how to keep homeschool records, how to write homeschool transcripts, and what is a counselor letter and a school report. If you haven't checked out the first episodes of this series, be sure to check that out on our website. The first is a trailer episode into the series where we discuss whether or not your high schooler can get a diploma whether or not you need to teach some of those high-level classes, and whether or not your homeschooler can go to college. And then we continue into the first of the series where we discuss making a four-year plan, what are graduation requirements, and how do you plan for your homeschooler's future. And the second in the series is discussing high school core subjects and what electives that your high schooler needs to take and what actually constitutes a high school credit. Every month, we're going to be dropping one episode for a total of 12 throughout the entire year. So be sure to listen and check out our website for resources and freebies and lots of guidance throughout this entire process. So you can homeschool high school. I assure you, you can do this. If I can do this, you can do this. And as usual, we want to stress that our podcast is an inclusive space for your everyday parents that are looking for education options. We are not here to convince you to homeschool. Uh, We want to stress that you need to do what works for your child and for your family. Every family is different. Absolutely. And you know your children best. So uh, feel free to take what advice or information you get from here that works for you and chuck the rest. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to March. Oh, boy. You know, my uh, March is always a little bit crazy. Irish dancers really get really busy right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like a lot of people think St. Patrick's Day is like the busy day for an Irish dance family. But, you know, (laughs) we do a lot of dancing in the month of March all the time. I love watching your kids (laughs) dance, though. They're so good. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, we had a North Texas Irish Festival was a couple weeks ago. And then we had like a full weekend of dancing last weekend. We've got another weekend of dancing coming up this weekend. And and then in between, Jillian ended up going to Youth and Government uh, State. Like that got scheduled in March. Yeah, she went to the Capitol to Austin. Yeah, yeah. She had a really important bill that uh, she was presenting to the house chambers. She looked so professional in her getup. She looked so cute. So a lot of fun. But yeah, just added to our typical busy, busy, busy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love this time because it's, you know, the weather's getting warmer and we've had some really crazy weather in Texas. So yeah, glad to have some spring weather. Today's episode 23, which is the high school documents episode, is a really important one. I know a lot of people stress out when they think about keeping records and documents. Don't worry, we got you. It is going to be fine. You can do this. So let's get started. We have a lot to cover today. As a homeschool parent of a high schooler, in addition to often being the teacher, you wear many additional hats. You're the secretary. You provide documentation, record keeping, registration, and the overall administration. Right. You're also the researcher. You're going to be the one that's going to help your student identify and evaluate colleges. You're going to find resources of information for your student, like scholarship searches and test options. Yeah, you're a project manager. You understand the process. You're providing scheduling 
schooling guidance and transportation. <laughs> right. And you're also doing all the academic counseling. You're going to be the one that's going to help your student with course selection. You're going to schedule modifications and credit acquisitions. You're going to help your student tailor academics and activities to what their goals are. Yeah, that sounds like a lot, right? <laughs> That's a, in addition to uh, making dinner and, <laughs> and cleaning the house. Uh, well, consider that this is just all part of that awesome benefit to homeschooling, though, where we get to handcraft a custom educational experience for our child. It does not need to feel overwhelming or hard with a little bit of organization and help. Right. And first, we'd like to thank our friends Mary and Sherry and some of our other homeschool friends who have helped us along the way, specifically to craft some of the documents that we're going to be talking about today. And also to go along with this episode and to help guide you, we've created a detailed high school document and records guide. And this guide is going to walk you through step-by-step as you begin to create your own documents and records. It's going to include everything you need to know about keeping records. We're going to detail more than what we would have time for in this episode. It's going to have a transcript guide and checklist with examples of different types of transcripts. It's going to walk you through how to write a counselor letter with detailed steps that will make an impact to the college you're applying to. It will also include high school resume guide with a checklist and resume example. I love checklists. <laughs> I know, <laughs> me too. And we're going to write this in a way that we make sure you don't leave anything off. And we're also going to include a guide for ensuring great letters of recommendation and detailing how to write course descriptions. And finally, it's going to detail a homeschool portfolio guide with a checklist detailing exactly what you need on that. And some states will require a more rigid record keeping than others. Right. Yeah. The most important thing to consider when we talk about record keeping in home schooling are your state requirements. Uh, Like you said, we're in Texas, where we don't actually have any reporting or record keeping requirement here. So in fact, up until high school, I don't generally do a whole lot with records. I personally keep like a single envelope every year per child that might have examples of work or artwork, you know, favorite things that they've made, ticket stubs, programs, mementos from field trips, and um, a single sheet with like what classes they took outside the home or places we visited, shows we saw. It's really something I send to grandparents and uh, the envelope itself is more of a memory thing for us rather than something that's representative of our schooling. Right, like a scrapbook almost. Yeah, yeah. I tend to be a little more rigid on record keeping. I do keep an actual portfolio and some states really require this and not here in Texas. I keep a three ring binder and it details our academic year with course information and materials, resumes, first day pictures with a little questionnaire Mm -hmm. I do each year. And a year in review, which I do at the start of every year, not school year, but actually the, the year begin. And all our extracurricular clubs, volunteer hours, awards, field trips, et cetera, all of that is in that book. I really keep all of our projects and samples of our schoolwork. I keep all that completed elsewhere in my garage, actually. And I just add to that throughout the year. And then at the end of the year, I'll go and I'll pick through there and I'll pick the things that really meant something or something that was, because it's hard to tell in mid-year what was really impactful. So at the end of the year, I evaluate everything and only keep those things that really mattered to us. Sure. 
We do have a link to our post on our website where you can look up your state's individual homeschool laws and requirements. Click there if you aren't aware of those yet. Right. And so how do you keep homeschool records? Well, homeschool record keeping is part of the job, being a homeschool parent. But keeping track of those records really does not have to be overwhelming. If you stay on top of homeschool organization, it's going to be a good idea to do that. And it's going to make your life as a homeschool parent so much easier and efficient. So even if you have younger students, I would encourage you to start making a habit of record keeping, even informally, just a synopsis of maybe what your child did throughout the year, maybe on a one or two page document, it's sufficient for those younger years. Making record keeping a part of your homeschool routine and keeping up with it regularly, it's going to ease the burden when you need documentation for graduation, college admissions, and other things. Right. If your student is college bound, there are five things that top colleges are looking for. Intellectual curiosity, initiative, leadership, social consciousness, and commitment. You can showcase all of these qualities by taking classes with increasing rigor, participating in extracurricular and community service activities. Showing consistency and depth in extracurriculars and developing leadership skills will also show that. We will have another high school series episode where we're going to focus on those extracurriculars and community service in the series. Yes. So meanwhile, um, there are four or five documents that you're going to want to keep that you will need for college admissions that are going to help you to illustrate these qualities that we were just talking about. Those documents are a transcript, a resume, a school profile, and a counselor letter. In addition, some colleges are also going to want to see course descriptions. It's up to you if you want to prepare these. Frankly, they're a lot of work. Not every school is going to want to see them. We were never asked for them, and my kids did apply to a variety of universities. But they also had heavy dual credit transcripts, and I think sometimes when you have that, they don't need to see. Yeah, I have other friends who maybe did a more traditional homeschooling route with classes solely at home, and so sometimes colleges would want more documentation to kind of see what was behind that coursework and such dreaded mom courses. (laughs) The mom courses, yep. So if you've mostly homeschooled at home or used non-traditional sources, you might be asked for a little bit more information to back up your transcript. I did keep things like syllabi from classes, other class information handy, so that if in a pinch I had to produce those, the information was at the ready and I could, but I was relieved not to actually need them. And we did. Our colleges that we applied to, they did require them, but they didn't for dual credit. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. So that was yeah. kind of took the load off me. Yeah. I um, only really had one college that wanted a homeschool addendum, but it really, it wasn't about course descriptions. It was all about like your homeschool philosophy. So. Okay. So let's talk about resumes. So a resume is a one page document that provides an overview of your experience, your skills, and other relevant information. A strong high school resume gives potential employers and colleges a quick but detailed and accurate snapshot of who you are and why they should be interested in getting to know you better. The primary goal of a resume is to sell your abilities to a hiring manager. Making a resume is your first step towards finding a job. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned earlier, colleges often want to see a resume as well. And these can be uploaded on the Common App or whatever application program that you do use for your application process. They are a great place to showcase your child's accomplishments or special skills that aren't necessarily educational or class or course type things. 
In our document and records guide, I will detail how to write a resume for your high schooler with a checklist detailing exactly what elements you should be including on that resume. Yeah. Meanwhile, writing a resume is fairly easy. There's a million templates out there, as well as blogs and articles to help guide you. The basic items that you want to include on your resume are obviously your name and contact information, phone number, email. Mm -hmm. You want a summary, which is like one to three sentences emphasizing the experiences and accomplishments that best define you. If you're looking for a job, you might want something job specific in there. Uh, We tend to keep that section kind of broad for college applications. And, you know, often when you're looking for a job specific, job details are going to be in your cover letter anyway. And the next thing would be experience. For high school students, you probably aren't going to have a long job history. You may not even have any at all, but you can emphasize the skills and knowledge you've developed in your studies, internships, community service, or any part-time work that you had. So it's fine to include volunteering or babysitting or just dog walking, tutoring, odd jobs, summer jobs, temporary jobs, internships, anything if you don't have as much in the way of a real work history yet. Sure. And education, yeah, this is where you're going to put the name of your homeschool if you have one, any dual credit information. You can also add your expected graduation date here. Not all states are going to require you to name your homeschool. We did have a name that we picked out when we decided to homeschool, and it looks good on paper. Probably most people guess it's a swanky private school, so. (laughs) But I think I had a list for both my kids that, you know, homeschool high school, and then I had their dual credit with both the anticipated graduation dates. And that's something we've never really quite talked about on this podcast is naming your homeschool. We used our last name and I kind of wish that we hadn't. I wish we used something a little different, but that's okay. It's something to think about whenever you are putting all that on documents because it will be on their transcript. Right. The next thing you want to add to the resume are their accomplishments. For the jobs or skills you listed in the experience section, you will want to clarify the responsibilities that they had, the tasks that you successfully completed, and the outcomes with bullet points. You need to be specific but brief. And we suggest using lots of action words like assisted, built, created, designed, drafted, installed, maintained, presented, programmed, repaired, served, and so on. Yep. You're also going to have a section for skills, and this is where you can include any other pertinent information and accomplishments from home, school, community. You can put your test scores. Uh, did you put a test score on Not the on resume? the resume, no. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. we didn't either. Well, one of my kids didn't have a test score at all because she was a COVID oh. high school senior, and then my other one had only one test. So, yeah, I mean, COVID if you have a... Kind of, there was a lot of colleges that weren't requiring testing. Right, so it wasn't really relevant. I don't know. Though, if I had a really good score... I would put it on everything. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would blaze that across my T-shirt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so it's up to you. It's up to you whether you want that on there. Going back to skills, you might want to put any relevant coursework, uh, non-credit courses taken, academic honors. If you did any special projects or had any leadership roles, uh, you're going to put your extracurricular activities there, hobbies, clubs, athletics, scouting, community service, any kind of scholarships or certificates. This is also where things like specific computer programs expertise can go or are you CPR or first aid certified maybe your student has a lifeguard or babysitting certification a proficiency in a musical instrument we later also use this resume for work or as a base for creating a future job resume so it's a great thing to start early and then revise as you go and you know have your child help you oh yeah yeah Yeah. Jillian actually needed one for the Girl Scout project recently they were doing mock job interviews and so I was like oh let's go ahead and make that now and we can already cross that off your list yeah well and you can teach them how to do it 
Yeah. Uh, so now let's talk about course descriptions, which we just mentioned were optional, but handy to have for sure. Yeah. Course descriptions are details about individual courses, and they may be required or accepted by colleges. You might want to check with the admissions counselor or the website to see if these are even necessary. Uh, sometimes they can get lengthy. So I probably would not advise sending like a 30 page document onto the school of choice if they have not specifically asked you to. There are five parts of a quality course description, and you're going to want to format it in a way that's clear and easy to read. And the first thing you're going to want to do is have the header on there. The header should include the course name, the instructor and or course provider, semester or year class was taken, the number of credits, the grade received, and your texts and resources. Yeah. The second thing you're going to want to have is a description. Uh, you want a really good course description that's going to describe the class. Uh, what was the purpose, the content, the experience? The next thing you're going to have on there is your method of evaluation. Here you're going to explain how your student was graded. Discussion, quizzes, tests, assignments, essays are some commonly used methods of evaluation. Many homeschoolers use a mastery approach, and I know we did for a lot of classes early yeah, on. Same. And yeah, and this was where you can list that as well. Right. Fourth, you're going to want your materials used. Uh, list the main resources used in class, and this can be textbooks, uh, essays, plays, online resources, newspapers, journals, lab materials. Some people are going to include book lists for the year. And again, remember, nobody wants to read or review your 80 pages of books read. <laughs> Keep it brief and relevant. Right. Of course, you're going to want to put your test scores on there. If your homeschooler took subject tests or AP exams, following this class, you can add them here too. And if you're struggling writing these descriptions, keep in mind that you don't really need to recreate the wheel. You can copy and paste directly from the course catalog or website from the community college or the online courses. Textbooks often have a summary listed on the publisher's website. And if you use a tutor or other private class, you can ask the instructor if they have a course description or if they can write one for you. And like I said earlier, the colleges that my daughter applied to, they didn't even require course descriptions from dual credit classes. Yeah. And she took a lot of dual credit courses, and that was awesome because it took the burden off of me. Right. From writing it, them. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And also, if you've designed your own course, you may want to look for similar courses online and just use a description as a guide while writing your own. Or you may already have it written out when you crafted the course. Right. Lastly, if you have a student that is an artist, or a designer, maybe an actor or a dancer, you might have different requirements for record keeping as well. We do have some friends who've walked this path and we plan to have some guests on our show at some point that can talk about their students' experiences in applying to specialty programs and we can hear about the audition and other admission processes that they've been through. But so in some cases, students may need to build a portfolio in addition to or instead of traditional application materials. Right. That goes beyond what some of that state's requirements. They require a high school portfolio which would yeah. be for academics. This is more like theater and actors. Right, and, yeah. right. And a couple of the states that I lived in that did have a portfolio requirement, it was an either or, like a portfolio or a testing, and you could kind of choose. So Those state yeah. requirements, you got to, oh, yeah. that's your guide. Make sure you know those. So just a reminder that this is a weekly episode. We drop one every Thursday morning just for you. And if you have any additional ideas or comments, please come and comment on our Facebook page on the episode thread or send us an email at info at btdthomeschool.com. We'd really love to hear from you. So how do you write a transcript? Well, first we need to define exactly what a transcript is. 
Your transcript is a document that ensures that base admission requirements are met, determines the student's readiness for work at a college level, and showcases course load and rigor. Yes, and you know, that's one of the concerns people have about homeschooling is like, how do my kids get a diploma? And we're always like, hey, you know what, the diploma is actually just a piece of paper. Like the real important thing is that transcript. Right. Every school that your child attended in high school will provide a transcript for college admission or for your graduation. For us, that meant that we sent one from both the community college and from our homeschool. Some students may have another from a private or a public school that need to be sent on to high school for admissions. And you need to know when you will need a transcript. And the things that you're going to need a transcript for, of course, like we mentioned, are college admissions. You're going to need them for scholarships and any contests that your child might enter. You're going to need them for internships, certifications, any job applications or security clearances sometimes require that. Transferring to a public or private school, if that is where your shift is going to be. Also, uh, military enrollment, sometimes they would require a transcript. Right. Also, another thing would be insurance companies, good student driver discounts. Yes, please. Right. So when people do say on message boards, oh, well, my kid won't need a transcript because they're not college bound. Like those are a lot of other reasons that you would need one. Right. And you don't want to try and recreate that later or horror story. There was somebody online that the mom died. And so the, and the kid never did a transcript because the kid didn't want to go to college. And now years later, they're trying to recreate a transcript. Right. So so just make a transcript, no matter what your kid and is going to thing. do. And that's When they graduate 17, 18, that's still so young. They may decide, hey, I don't want to do college. But in three years, they might. And how are you going to recreate all of that? Right. So just, just do it. Consider that part of your homeschool job. So anyway, your transcript, it's easy. It it should just be a single page. It obviously should be accurate. You're going to want it to be easy to read, easy to skim, and you want it to be professional and attractive. I actually prettied mine up by printing it on parchment paper, and I ordered gold stickers with my school's crest on it. So fancy. (laughs) You don't have to go all extra like that, but you can. (laughs) So fancy. Well, we see this question a lot. A college wants an official high school transcript, and people totally freak out. You know what makes it official? You literally (laughs) just put the words official high school transcript across the top. That's it. (laughs) Later, when you send the last one after graduation, you'll add the word final official high school transcript. That's it. The top line of the document should make it clear. That's going to be the easiest part. That's all you need. (laughs) So your transcript should have these basics. At the top, the student information. Name contact information. Your students, not yours. (laughs) We include address, email, and phone number. Also, you want to have their birth date. Another thing you could add that is sometimes optional would be their social security number. They will be using the number a lot once they're admitted, so now is the time to learn it. There may be multiple students applying with the same name as your students, so you definitely want to have them identified as well as possible. So no mix-ups, please. Yeah, you can put like just, you know, XXX, XXX, last four digits. Right. Like you don't have to put the full one if you are uncomfortable. So you're also going to want to have your graduation information. So the date of graduation, and that's either your actual or anticipated date, depending where you are in the process, and a start date, which is optional. Right. And if you did something creative, like count eighth grade coursework, or you may have done a super senior year, you may want to leave the start date off. And again, it's up to you. Completely up to you. Um, So then you're also going to want to have your school information. Uh, The name of the school, uh, remember, like we were just saying, not all states require that you have a name of a school, so you might not have one, or maybe you're making one up now. 
Um, some people get really creative with this. Other people use their last name or street right. name, like you just said. I did read a funny story about a family that got stuck with a name, like a joke name that they'd made up. It was like a school for dragon <laughs> lovers or something. <laughs> they made it up when their kids were little and they lived in a state where they couldn't change it. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, so you definitely want to pick something that won't be embarrassing later. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be embarrassing. Yeah. Oh <laughs> you know, my, my school is the Davenport Academy. I was saying that it sounds like it's a fancy private school, but it's what my grandma called a couch, a Davenport. So oh, it's really, it just means couch school, couch school. Also, then you're going to want to have your contact information. And this is where the mom information goes. I just put my name in my email as the school right, administrator. Or administrator, or, or, yeah. principal, or whatever, yeah. The next thing you're going to have is your course list. You're going to list both full and partial credit courses. You'll want to include courses taken elsewhere like dual credit or other schools that your child may have taken a course in and courses that are honors or AP. And you can designate these as separate from your homeschool courses done at home with an asterisk or an other indicator. I do a superscript yeah. on mine. You'll want a key and a legend on your transcript that clarifies that information. Also, you can put classes on your transcript that your student is currently taking or will take next semester. And this is important for seniors applying in the fall for the following school year. We just put IP for in progress on the transcript without a grade. Yes, and we talked about this in our last episode, but what constitutes a course? That's a half credit, usually 60 hours of work. One credit is 120 to 160 hours of work or more for a lab class. If your student spends more than 120 hours on a subject, you can give an extra half credit and call it an honors course. Don't call something an AP course, advanced placement, unless you are actually using approved AP materials, even if they take the AP test after the class. You want to put the test score under testing on your transcript. Some colleges are looking for well-rounded students who have taken a little bit of everything in high school. Mm -hmm. Others are looking for students who have covered the high school basics and specialized in one or two fields of study. And this shows that they have a passion in one or two areas. If your student knows what college that they plan to attend, contact the college to find out what classes your student should cover in high school. If they don't know, just cover the basics and let your student follow their areas of interest for the rest of their credits. And you'll want a spot on your transcript to show the number of total credits completed and your GPA. You may also want to include test scores, PSAT, SAT, ACT, SAT subject tests, or AP. Sometimes people do the CLT or even CLEP testing, but all of that is optional. I actually do put that on. You had COVID teenagers, yeah. so there was no testing required for a lot of students yeah, that are we entering. Yeah, do that. And, and you also end up sending from the test company, you send the tests on as well. So right. again, it depends what you want on your It's kind of redundant if that's the case. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Lastly, you want a spot for your signature and your report date. I just told you I didn't put a signature on any of mine. (laughs) I just am now realizing my kids got into college fine without that signature, but I think you're supposed to have it on there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. If your students won any awards or notable activities, you may want to include these on the transcript. Some people are adamant about these being showcased on the resume or other part of the application. I actually have mine on the back of our transcript. It's like a two-page. And this may include prestigious awards or volunteer work or leadership or specialized training or internships. One of the ones I saw, they had a second page that was all kind of their extracurricular awards, but they had some very specific like school awards. And so they had that in a little box on the front of their transcript. Mm, Which leads us to what 
format of transcript should you use? On our records guide that we'll have on our website, it will have several examples, but this is really a personal choice and you have a lot of options here. There are so many transcript templates out there and you just need to look around at several and see what fit you. I was actually working on my son's today, this morning. I put his information into three and I'm like, which one do you like better? Which one do you think showcases? So I actually had him give me some input on that. Yeah. Did he care? He really did. Oh, well, awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, mine is actually just cobbled together from several that I liked on Pinterest. So whenever people are like, oh, what transcript template should I use? You might want to make like a weird Frankenstein, one of your own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Some people like to list by the year or the term, and this is the most familiar to admissions teams. It's easily organized and showcases increasing rigor from year to year. And some people like to list by subject. I do a subject transcript. This can be an easy way to de-emphasize unusual timings like gaps or fewer or extra years. The high school classes taken before ninth grade. We use it because my kids took many shortened semester classes and sometimes it looks weird to have a million courses in one year and then no science the next year or something strange. Some people do a super senior year, which is a fifth year of high school. And so that's a good way to kind of keep your transcript looking normal, even though you've done something different. That can also be used to showcase passion or focus. Right. I like to give my kids the option. Like if we're going to take four dual credit classes in one semester, I'm like, hey, if you want to take two of those over the summer, then you only have to take two in the fall. Right. And so sometimes I just leave it up to them. But yeah, that can look a little odd. Yeah. It's imbalanced. Well, and also like where do you put people always ask, like, where do you put the summer course or where do you put the winter course? Do you put that in the I put it wherever Spring, it balances. Or do you put it... If I don't have very many on the previous semester, I'll put it over there right. and vice versa. So but yeah, a subject transcript fixes all that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. So when it comes to GPA or grade point average, there are several options. You just want to choose something that is simple and easy to understand and that is consistent. You want to list cumulative GPA calculated for all completed courses. And you can choose weighted or unweighted or both. Grade weighting is the process of increasing grades from more challenging courses when calculating a student's GPA. Grade weighting rewards students who are taking more challenging courses. For example, common weighting is an honors course would be plus half a credit and an AP or dual credit often are added one point to the GPA. Again, just make sure that your weighting is clearly marked and it's consistent throughout the entire transcript. Right. I know that there's a couple states that kind of do credits differently. I've seen that come up on like a national message board discussion where they give extra points to things. You might want to also use what is common in your state. And there's some standards, you know, it is up to you to decide what your weight is, but there are some like standard ones that some people use. Right. And there was a poor gal came on a message board recently and she had the weirdest like point like fraction things for hers and she like she was having trouble with the math and we were all like girl nobody gets this nobody gets this do not if it's confusing you and it's your process you got to make it easy colleges will take it all apart and recalculate it anyway but you want to at least make sure your math works (laughs) so um how do you calculate gpa well you're going to multiply each grade by the number of credits awarded to get all the grade points then you're going to add all those grade points together and you're going to divide the total grade points by the total number of credits. In your key on your transcript where you that's where you're going to put all that clarifying information and your legend, you can indicate where courses were taken and your grading scale and what your weighing formula is. 
We will include some of the links and ideas and everything that we're talking about on our show notes on our website. So be sure to check that out after you listen. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. So what is a counselor letter and a school report? Well, let's start with the school report. A school report or school profile is a document that provides information about a school within the context of its students and its community. It gives an overview of the academics and opportunities offered, and college admissions officers are typically going to be familiar with the schools that are in their assigned region, and they usually kind of know the quality of academics and the quality of students who graduate from those particular schools. But as a homeschooler, of course, you're going to need to provide that context by providing evidence that your homeschool is also a quality one. It's rooted in strong academics and unique learning opportunities. Right. Your school profile or report is about your homeschool, not your homeschooler. And up until this, all of the varying documents have highlighted your student. Obviously, there will be some overlap, but this is the place where you can really highlight your academics and your academic choice and your homeschool philosophy. Yeah, the school report and profile is not part of the transcript, but it can add or provide context. Not all schools are going to request or allow a school report, but some will. And this will come in handy, especially if you're using like general admission website like the Common App. And here are some of the items you want to cover in your homeschool profile report, aside from your school name and contact information, that is. And like I said, in the homeschool guide that we'll have on our website, it will detail all of this out for you. With a checklist. So the first thing would be you'll want the history of your school and you'll want a brief overview of when your homeschool was created and maybe why and maybe how it has benefited your students. Again, talk in generals, not specifics. Even if your homeschool will only ever have one student, talk as if there are many students there that you're educating. Well, we'll talk like there could be many. Describe the philosophy of your homeschool. Is it interest-driven? Is it rigorous, student-led, self-designed, classical, or another popular methodology? Is it project-based? I use this section in ours to explain a little bit about um, the Charlotte Mason approach and uh, mastery approach. Uh, We don't do a lot of testing, so that's kind of where I explained that. I did that too. Yeah. Uh, Describe your curriculum and your choices. Why did you choose dual credit over AP courses? Did you opt to focus on a particular path or interest? I also use this section to talk about educational partnerships we may have had, like the local community college, brick and mortar homeschool here in the area, or university model program. You may want to include a brief description and a bio for each provider that has helped you along the way. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. Reed. Love you, Brian. Uh, Describe how grading, weighing, and assessments are done in your homeschool. How do you assign credits? How do you determine weight? Also, graduation requirements. Here, you may list your state's graduation requirements or talk about your specific graduation requirements if you're in a state that leaves that to you. Moving along, what is the counselor letter? Ooh. Well, <laughs> that's home- a stressful one. I know. Something. The homeschool counselor letter is basically a letter of recommendation that's submitted to colleges on behalf of an applicant. And typically, this would come from a school's guidance counselor. But since you're technically the guidance counselor, 
you're responsible for writing this recommendation. A lot of pressure. This is where some of the parents start cracking. Yes. <laughs> so in a, in a traditional school environment, this letter would usually be evaluating a student compared with other students in that specific school community. And since homeschoolers obviously can't be compared in this way, we really can't do that. We still want to demonstrate that they took rigorous classes, had impacts on the community, were leaders socially, and in their extracurriculars, of course. Yeah, you're going to have to find a balance between being, you know, proud mom and teacher, like while still presenting in a professional manner. You don't want to sound like overly gushy, but you do want to share the great qualities and achievements that you know your homeschooler has. I personally thought the counselor letter is the hardest thing that we had to do for this whole process. Well, it's one of those things that, you know, you can get examples for everything, but nobody wants to share their counselor letter because it's very private and intimate. Yeah, I didn't, child. I didn't want to show mine yeah. to anybody yeah. I didn't even really want to show it to my kid I feel like I've seen like one other person's but yeah. yeah so I mean everything else out there has a template that you can try out but yeah but this... really there's a reason for that is because this is such a personal document it really needs to showcase who your child is well beyond any anything else or any course right. they could have taken because they're unique and they're special and this is what that letter's for exactly so in writing your letter, you want to think about your application process as a whole and think about what your application does not say. All in all, your transcript, your resume, your application, the essay questions, and a counselor letter should say everything you want them to know about your student. Right. So you think about it. Like, is there anything missing? Uh, anything missing academically, maybe? Like, if you feel the transcript might not show the academic rigor of higher level classes or AP or dual credit grades and test scores, like, provide other evidence of intellectual curiosity and examples of maybe some independent projects that they might have done. Or if you have other credentials or experience in teaching, you might want to explain this in detail, discuss your child's development. I'll add one thing that I did add to my counselor letter is, you know, we talked about before that my daughter's really into cars, rebuilding cars. Uh, she replaced all the suspension system in her, in her car in my driveway. And that was something that was really showcased in there because her interest and her initiative to do that project was just well beyond maybe some other 17 year olds would do. Right. Also, you know, we talk about like highlighting the things that are great about our students. The counselor letter is also, you know, unfortunately, some students haven't had a great time or maybe suffered a tragedy or something else in their life that did impact their schooling. And the counselor letter is also a place that you can put that. Right. And and a lot of times when that is submitted, they'll consider that when they see that there that maybe the, there was a straight A student and all of a sudden in 11th grade, bam, drop. Yeah. What's the reason for that? Right. Like, maybe yeah. they had some serious tragedy that caused that. And so they'll take that into consideration. They oh, are absolutely. looking at these. They, they really are looking at these and reading them and, oh, sure, and evaluating sure. each student. They're so. all they're all part of the puzzle. Right. So they're all just a piece. Now, you may want to detail more about your homeschool and your philosophy in this letter again, and perhaps explain how this shaped your student or was shaped by your student. Talk about what motivates and excites them, how they show initiative, how they have taken advantage of homeschooling and the schedule and the flexibility that it provided them to really expand on who they are and all the things that they've learned. Yeah. I talked about my son's sport in this one about how you know homeschooling gave him more time to because he's an accomplished um, athlete and so I was able to like kind of put both of those things in there you also want to talk about extracurriculars and socializing while the number of homeschoolers continues to grow 
Yay. And universities are becoming increasingly accommodating. You know, there's still a lot of stigmas and negative stereotypes that go along with homeschooling. (laughs) Still. I did did put that in our counselor letter, actually, about a lot of our social things. Did you? I love that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So take take that opportunity to discuss their social strengths within the context of groups and leadership roles and other activities in the community. It's a good place for it. Exactly. Colleges really want to know who their applicants are what kind of person they are, what they'll be at the college and in the future, how they're going to really contribute to the campus. Universities are specifically looking for students that are going to add to an already rich school culture. Why would your student be a great fit? You're going to let them know right here. Yeah. You can reveal your teen's positive qualities through anecdotes and examples. Don't go overboard. (laughs) You can also uh, quote someone else or even the student to support their character and values. Be sure to back those quotes up with specific examples, but you can put all kinds of stuff in there. And that takes me back to, uh, we didn't talk a lot about this, but it's going to be in the guide is talking about letters of recommendation. Right. And it's going to guide them through that. And so that will be showcased in there and also here. Yeah, sometimes uh, when you do go to ask somebody for a reference, they're like, okay, well, tell me what to put in it first. Right. It. So you get a little practice right. first. <laughs> we'll, step, we'll step you through that. I we have, will. I actually have that there about providing them with a template. So yeah, making that's it great. really easy for them. Super so, easy. Yeah. So the most important thing to remember is that this letter is about the student. This should not be a list of accomplishments or a resume. You already supplied that context elsewhere. And while there might be slight overlap with your school report and profile, this is really just the story of your student. Yeah. One um, high school blog that I was reading said, go through this writing process as if you were writing one of the most important essays of your life. (laughs) It's true. It's so much pressure on us on this one. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It goes on to say, not only does this guarantee empathy for your child as they write their essays, (laughs) but it's also going to provide insight for you on how to craft your letter. And it's essential to really start this letter way before you need it because you can revisit it, add to it and, you know, really edit it. Oh, for sure. Things that should be in the homeschool counselor letter are greetings to the selection committee with words that you are writing this letter on behalf of your student and your student's name in there. Mm -hmm. Examples, stories, anecdotes about your student's positive traits or values. Um, You're going to want to include information about your homeschool journey or philosophies, quotes from your homeschooler, other leaders familiar with your student. This could be someone who's written a recommendation for them already. You can make sure to include the common app or application ID number, counselor signature, and the counselor title. Like we said earlier, this letter can be difficult to write, and it's insanely personal, and it can be a powerful and moving experience to writing it. Prepare to feel all the emotions as you think back on their childhood and the entire homeschool experience. Definitely allow yourself to congratulate yourself on navigating this unconventional education path and your part in creating this special being. It really is an incredible honor to get to present and truly recommend your student in this manner. You get to celebrate your child and what you've both accomplished together. Like we all, um, I always think that's, it is. And it's, it really is special. And I do feel like in, in our like community of friends and stuff too, like whenever we have a kid graduate, we're always like, congratulations, kid. Congratulations, mom. Like, because we know that we're really like, it's true. We're in the thick of it with them. So, I mean, they did the work for sure. But my sister moms. Yeah. But we did a lot of work too. So it really is like exciting for all of us. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, well, stay tuned for next week. Uh, For episode 24, we are going to be talking about favorite books for new readers. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. This is a really special episode for elementary age children that are beginning to read. And we're going to be discussing beginning chapter books and great read-alouds that everybody's going to love. Right. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Cheers. Be sure to check us out on our website at btdthomeschool.com, as in been there, done that, btdthomeschool.com. You can join our mailing list and get news and updates on future podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, at the BTDT Been There, Done That Homeschool Podcasts.